0: Hey, uh, I'm in Philippians chapter four today, um, and uh, Tony Weidel uh, preached last week and said this chapter is like a, it's like a what a beach ball or what a volleyball. It's just it's easy to preach; it preaches itself. Well, there'd probably be any other chapter I'd rather preach than this this morning. Starts off. Uh, I want to start off with a very familiar passage from verse six of chapter four. We, we all heard it before, do not be anxious about any th- situation or anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, uh, would you please add power to this word this morning? This is your living word, and so I pray, God, that it'll transform our hearts today set us free. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so easy. Uh, It preaches itself. Don't be anxious about anything. Good. Done. Settled, right? Right. Are you kidding? Easier said than done. Don't be anxious about anything. Um, I began working on this message about three weeks ago and I was still struggling with some physical issues where I feel tired, I'm losing weight. Some of it is intentional because I'm eating better and others maybe not. So we're still trying to figure out if anything's going on. Um, but the more I tried to figure things out, the more I realized that it was affecting me mentally. It was just really a taxing on my thoughts, preoccupation. So I found myself feeling anxious, more so than any other time in my life. Uh, the following two challenges, or this following two, the two years of COVID and you know the death of friends, uh, colleagues, uh, death of Two family members this past year. Just a lot of stress uh, and loss. So the, this on top of the political unrest, the strong opinions, the tensions that divide our community, our church, our country, uh, it's just pretty stressful. Honestly, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to preach this morning, and I almost called a few people to say, hey, be on standby. But here I am, and uh, by grace of God, I'll, I'll make it through. So thank you to, for Tony. Um, and thank you for many others who have been praying for me, um, and just pray that I be given discernment as I discern what's going on in my body, if if anything. Um, so I I certainly don't feel qualified to preach from this particular section of scripture because I feel like I've failed in the anxiety department as of late, over and over again, because anxiety falls um, when least expected. And it can fall upon us for a multitude of reasons, because of health issues or financial issues or because of fear of the future or spiritual issues or even emotional trauma. So how can we reduce this anxiety level when it encroaches upon our life? What can we do uh, to bring about God's peace more readily? And I think we'd be remiss to skip over the first section of chapter 4, which we typically do, uh, but it kind of sets the context. I think first thing we can do, as highlighted by the Apostle Paul, is we can reduce anxiety by being a bridge builder in our relationships. I plead with y- 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 Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co workers whose names are in the book of life. Uh, The church members in Philippi were struggling because of contentious division within the church, which apparently caused much angst within the church. Members of the Philippian church were choosing sides between these two women who were leaders in the church. Broken relationships can lead to high anxiety. Um, When it's in our power to act, we should be proactive in being bridge builders. Huh? I know from experience that when I was at odds with a guy I used to live with, a younger believer, and he began to blame me and accuse me, then I did the same behind his back, and, and it just escalated to the point where it landed me in depression because of this uh, contentious relationship. It can be grueling um, when there's division in the church. Uh, but God, cho- uh, he has chosen us to be bridge builders, to be proactive in repairing relationships. Jesus said this in his greatest sermon, Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. The Apostle Paul would say things like, let, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. In Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. We're to be peacemakers. We're to be bridge builders. Well, what does this attitude look like? Um, In in chapter 4, verse 5, Apostle Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The word gentleness is a Greek word that is uncommon in the New Testament. And so the translators translate it in various ways. Um, Let your humility be evident to all. Let your patience be be evident to all. Let your reasonableness, your softness, your gentle disposition, your gracious attitude, your forbearance. All of these are different translations I looked up. Well, what does this kind of disposition reveal? According to one of the commentators, Christians are not to be seen as easily angered or foolish, but rather as reasonable, wise people who can handle difficulties and disagreements with maturity. This is important in the context of Paul's request to Eodia and the Syntyche to put aside their very public argument. How can we possibly respond in gentleness and humility when there's opposition coming against us, when we've been wronged? Well, Scripture tells us by not retaliating, by not seeking revenge, by not harboring bitterness in our hearts, by not participating in the dissension that's happening, in the factions that are beginning to build, by having the understanding that it is truly the Lord who fights our battles and takes up our causes. He's the one who will settle all wrongs. Allow him to be Lord over this. Don't get in his way. Because it says the Lord is near. That's the first step in reducing our anxiety. Well, the second is to direct our thoughts upward to our praise and our prayer requests and petitions and thanksgiving. In verse four, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Common theme throughout this book of Philippians. And this was a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. We're not to rejoice in our difficult situations, but we're to rejoice in the Lord who is Lord over our difficult situations. We may readily rejoice on payday or playday, which are very temporary. But when we rejoice in the Lord, we're focusing on his unchanging and permanent and consistent faithfulness over our situations. Lord, you are the Lord over my situation. You see, Paul was confined. He was incarcerated at this time of the writing. And yet he said, rejoice in the Lord always, Yet yeah, he understood that the cell that contained him was not the cell of Rome. He continually re- referred himself to the pr- a prisoner of the Lord. Not of Rome, not of the devil, but a prisoner of the Lord. The Lord had him there. When, when Lynn and I were praying this past week over discernment, over me not feeling too well, uh, she prayed that we recognize this as the Lord's cell that I feel trapped in. Even though I felt desperate, the tr- that truth made me, um, it-, it comforted me, gave me perspective. Teacher Alan Redpath says, There is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to me. If it has come that far, it has come with great purpose which I may not understand at, that, at the moment. But as I refuse to become panicky, as I lift up my eyes to him and accept it as coming from the throne of God for some great purpose of blessing to my own heart, no sorrow will ever disturb me, no circumstance will cause me to fret, for I shall rest in the joy of what my Lord is, that is the rest of victory. Again, easier said than done, but a great perspective. And so Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And you know, rejoice, that word is linked to the word joy. Kay Warren says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. So we direct our thoughts upward through praise and then also through our prayer and petition. Um, In verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This word for prayer simply means communicating with God in any form or fashion, whether it be confession or praise or prayer or petition. But then petition is more specific. It's like coming before a sovereign king with a petition, asking the king to act on your behalf. And so we petition before the Lord on behalf of something specific, When we pray through petition, we're choosing a place to place our trust in God. Sarah Young, in Jesus Calling, in her devotion last week, this is from Jesus' perspective, this devotional, and someone read this to my wife and I yesterday. Jesus would say, I am leading you step by step through your life. Hold my hand in trusting dependence, letting me guide you through the day. Your future looks uncertain and feels flimsy, even precarious. That is how it should be. Secret things belong to the Lord, and future things are secret things. When you try to figure out the future, you're grasping at things that are mine. This, like all forms of worry, is an act of rebellion, doubting my promises to care for yours. When you find yourself worrying about the future, repent and turn to me. I will show you the next step forward and then the one after that and the one after that. Relax and enjoy the journey in my presence, trusting me to open up the way before you as you go. Through prayer and petition, make your request known to God with thanksgiving, which is the next... um, Command. A thankful heart remembers that God has been faithful in the past and He will be faithful just the same in the future. Rather than, Lord, I rejoice that you've been so faithful and you've met so many needs for me in the past. You've been so faithful in your provision, but Lord, I don't know about the future here. I I don't know if I can trust you. No, we want to be thankful that He will continue to be faithful even in the middle of the mess. So we thank God also that by faith, he hears our prayers. So how has God been faithful to you in the past? You you thank him for his faithfulness on a regular basis, even as you wait for God to provide in the present. That will go a long way at reducing our stress and anxiety. Thirdly, we can reduce our anxiety by thinking the right thoughts, thinking on the truth. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Our thoughts inform how we act and how we feel. Anxiety will intensify when we get caught up in this negative cycle of thinking. The if-onlys, you know, or my life will forever be ruined now. It will never look the same. I will never be happy again. Rather than God's promises that he's working all things out for the good for those who love him. There's a word crisis in the Chinese language that offers us a lesson. The two characters that they use for crisis in Chinese would be one would be danger and the other opportunity the inference is that in every crisis experience both elements are present present so in a crisis it's a dangerous situation but it's presenting an opportunity when we only focus on the danger then it will paralyze us with fear but when we focus on the opportunity then we can fly with wings of faith. It is we ourselves who choose on which two we will focus. A psychologist said that 90% of patients' problems resulted from either guilt in the past or fear about the future. The problem is that yesterday and tomorrow do not exist. Only God can help me deal with What I'm sorry, even God cannot help me with what does not exist. But if I focus on this day, on this moment, that which only exists, I will have the strength and the hope of God Almighty. He's not the God of the great I was or the great I will be. He's the great I am. So if we get thinking the wrong thoughts, then... We'll be held captive to fears. But if we think the right thoughts, then the truth will lead us into more and more freedom. The truth will set you free. And I do this, I try to do this when I get caught in the negative loop of thinking. I try to do this by you know, grabbing, I have three sheets of paper with a bunch of promises on, do not fear promises, if you will. And I just whip it out of my bag or my Bible and I open it up and I just start praying through each verse. It would probably take me 40 minutes to pray through each verse. And and if I land on one that really speaks to my situation then I just hearken that verse and I meditate on it and I even memorize it as I pace the basement back and forth. Verses of hope. Um, or I can open the book of Psalms Psalms gives such great hope because people were so authentic. The psalm writers, psalmists. I, I stick on my praise music, put on my headphones and, and I listen to praise music. It gives me hope. I request prayers from friends and, and family members and I seek godly counsel. Lynn makes sure I eat right, because if I eat too much sugar, then I'll be up and down and up and down or too much carbs that turn into sugar, you know, then um, so I have to eat healthy, some take the right vitamins, and sometimes, you know, get sleep aid at night if I need to sleep or whatever. So, or even medication, if I need a medication. Uh, verse 7, if we do these things, then the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God it, it, it is already ours it's available to us. It's accessible. This peace transcends all of our understanding. It's beyond explanation or understanding. It's just experienced. And I remember a couple of days ago, yesterday, I was pacing and reading over my verses, and I was just feeling such a heaviness, such a darkness and hopelessness. And I remember, as I was reading these scriptures, I came upon one in Isaiah, and it just... Whew, I prayed it and the Lord lifted it from me. After I pressed into the Lord, it took a while and and I was failing for so long, I felt. The Apostle Paul said, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Not only will you experience the peace of God, but the God of peace will be with you. He will be with us every step of the way in our journey and he will always be by our side. And here's the verse that spoke to me yesterday, Isaiah 30. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. As I was waiting on him, I could sense him rising up to show me compassion. The final point I want to make here before I conclude is... uh, I think this will be encouraging for us. We can reduce our anxiety by understanding that this reduction in anxiety, this freedom that we long for, may be a process. You know, we may celebrate and experience a peace and a freedom immediately in one area of our life, but then we turn around and we walk into another area of our life that will cause us angst, you know? Sort of like a little child who overcomes their fear of the boogeyman or the monsters under the bed and then, oh, I don't, I'm not afraid there are no monsters under the bed, but then they emerge into adolescence and middle school and then they have a host of new issues to deal with and anxieties and then they make it through middle school and high school make it to college and a host of other issues that they have to deal with and then they meet the right person and then they get married and now marriage introduces more and then they have kids and then there's the empty nest and then there's retiring years and failing of health and whatnot and wow, wow We're always dealing with something. So it's not like pray once and I feel free, I feel anxiety free, and I feel completely mature for the rest of my life because I said this prayer. No, it's a process. Sometimes we do experience immediate release, uh, but oftentimes it comes through a process. We do well to adopt the attitude of the persistent widow in that parable that Jesus taught who went to the unjust judge and would just badger him to death day in and day out. I need you to, I need you to give me justice. And finally he relented. He, he didn't want her coming around anymore. And he said, I'm gonna give you justice. All right, relax. Well, God is not like the unjust judge. God is way more gracious and compassionate. If the unjust judge who doesn't care about people is like that, how much more so will, will God be that way? We must be persistent in asking in this process. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. And in the imperfect tense, it says, Keep on asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. That's how it reads in the Greek imperfect tense, these verbs. In other words, Paul or Jesus said, Keep asking. It's a process. The Apostle Paul had to learn through this process, this learn of this freedom. In verse 12, he said, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every, in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul says, I had to learn to be content, the secret of this contentment, through the process of these difficult transformational experiences. The state of contentment did not happen overnight or simply because he prayed a prayer. Remember in Corinthians, he said he prayed three times, Lord, remove it but this tormentor that the Lord allowed in his life. Jesus said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And you're gonna grow in this this area in your life. So the circumstances that we ask God to change are often the circumstances God is using to change us, according to Mark Batterson. I also find it comforting to know that this great apostle, Paul, admitted to having struggled with discouragement, despair, and anxiety. In Philippians 2, um, he said, um, Aphrodite was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, uh, and and I was able to send him back to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him back to you, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety." Paul was dealing with anxiety because his friend was sick and almost died. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experience in the province of Asia. We're under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of life itself. This great apostle Paul experienced despair. (coughs) But here in the fourth chapter, Paul says, Don't be anxious about anything. How could Paul instruct his leaders to not be anxious when he just admitted that he experienced anxiety at times? He's a hypocritical. Did he not practice what he preached? I think Paul is not like any one of us. It's a process. He's growing. The psalmist. You read a lot of the psalms. They begin like in Psalm thirteen. They begin like, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Where are you, Lord? Where are you? But by the end of the psalm, he's writing, but I, I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. And I imagine these psalmists didn't just write down and five minutes later, they penned out a neat psalm to put in a book. I imagine some of these psalms were products of Days or weeks or even months of trials. Not unlike many songwriters today who create their songs based on life experiences, like Bruce Springsteen in Glory Days or Brian Adams, A Summer of Sixty Nine, or Barbara Streisand, The Way We were, or The Beatles uh, yesterday. If we struggle with anxiety, sorrow, and discouragement, the devil would love to throw that back in our face and shame us and condemn us and say, you are not worthy. You're not a man or woman of faith. You do not measure up. God is disappointed in you. And God would say, those are a pack of lies because there's no condemnation for my children. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. God knows that we're all in process and being shaped into his image we love this, that great old hymn from 1926. It says, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And I got thinking, I like that song. I've sung it a bazillion times. But how many really want to pray, Lord, melt me, mold me? No way, break me. Lord, please melt me. You know, it reminds me of this candle here where uh, before this candle was ever made into a candle like this cylinder, it was probably a block of wax or a lump of wax or maybe liquid wax put into a mold and it had to be melted first in order to be shaped into this. And uh, it had to go through the fire. And, And then when we light the candles like this, then in the course of their burning, then they continue to melt. But as they continue to melt from the flame and the heat, they are shining bright, the light of God. They're doing what they're created to do. So even when we're melting, going through difficulties, even then uh, we can shine brightly, even, even brighter for Christ. Because he delights in using those who are weak and those who are dependent on him, those who recognize their shortcomings. God says, in your weakness... I am made strong in and through your life. And so that's the lesson I am learning as I'm being melted these past three or four months. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't want to alarm everyone like, I'm sick. Um, I'm just going through different issues in my life, you know, physical and, and emotional, therefore emotional issues that just really challenging for me and discerning, you know, what, what's happening, you know. So you could pray for me and thank you for the many who have been. Regardless, so how can we reduce anxiety and experience peace? Again, as a reminder, we need to be bridge builders so we don't have tension and anxiety in our life. We need to direct our thoughts upward through our praise, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving. We need to think the right thoughts, think on the truth, meditate on it. And then finally, we need to understand that freedom Uh, may just well come through a process. But the God of peace will be with us every step of the way. And so, Lord Jesus, as we conclude this service now, um, I pray, God, that uh, you just speak to us and minister to us by your spirit, whether we're being melted and broken and shaped or whether we are on a mountaintop experience, Lord. Pray, God, that you speak to us Continue to use us so that we shine brightly for you. In Christ's name, amen.